0: happy friday guys and welcome to another episode of let's talk dubs i'm your host bill t well another great podcast for you guys coming out this friday to get you through the work day and ready for the weekend hope you guys are getting ready for new year's eve it's the end of 2023 we're about to kick off 2024 so i wanted to wish you guys all a happy new year hope you had a merry christmas and happy holidays whatever you celebrate out there and you got to spend some time with your families and uh, or if you don't have family around people that you really care about so That's what the holidays are all about. I know that uh, we had a lot of good times here at the Let's Talk Dubs compound, hanging out with family and friends. I've been out in the garage, just grinding away on things, uh, making some time to do some things. I started this project. If you're following me on Instagram, I started this project to do a retro system in the uh, rag chop. That's going to be, I purchased some Fosgate amps, some old school Fosgate amps. I rebuilt the 10 inch, punch pro tens and then i i think i have uh four or five mid-base five inch fosgate speakers that need new surrounds on them so i'll be rebuilding those and uh, just working on working on a bunch of little stuff to start doing the stereo from that as well as this week i went and put that supercharger setup on it that i bought from compressor house and i put a little video out on that uh coming up here this weekend so you'll be able to kind of see a quick little overview of our installation on a time lapse and then you know, my feelings with respect to performance, I mean, made a huge difference. And you get a lot of the details on the, um, on the old video, but if you want to know just flat out, it made a huge difference. That 1800 was probably running at about 60 horsepower. And this thing added about 40, which was a substantial increase uh, performance, just zero to 60 time with my little iPhone app that uh, has a has a you know gyroscope in it or whatever it does to get my 0-60 to 60 times. And that 0-60 time went from 12 point, 11.8 seconds to 7.8. So it knocked off quite a bit in uh, performance. A huge, a huge upgrade. So totally stoked to did that. I've got to put some decklid standoffs on the back of the bug right now. So I did that today as well as started to rebuild the Lexan speaker box in the back salvaging the Lexana, just rebuilding the uh, the particle board sides and back that were kind of blown out in it. So that's what I'm wrapping up tonight. Figured I'd pop in here, get this podcast edited out, and sent out to you guys. Now, if you guys want to support the podcast and get a shout out, make sure you guys go to letstalkdubs.com, click on the store tab, and pick up some merch and support your favorite podcast. And also, please do me the favor and share this podcast with your friends. I love when you share the podcast with your friends because there's no better way to grow the podcast and by the listeners that listen to it now. So you guys are out there uh, listening to this and enjoying it. Looking forward to this podcast. Please share it with your friends. And don't forget to support our sponsors, Ross Wolf, high-performance aftermarket parts from VW Enthusiasts for vw enthusiasts so make sure you know i was talking to the guys at Rosswolf, and what they enjoy getting back from people is feedback on their products and parts because they're constantly in a state of evolution so they encourage people to reach out to them with respect to feedback for the parts if you like it you don't like it if you're having uh, some issue if you'd like them to make a modification or some sort of exchange but it's definitely uh something that they look forward to getting in touch with their customer base. Give them a shot, send them a message, let them know what you think of their product. And uh, if you got any suggestions of things you want to have made, Hit them up. They got some new stuff coming up and we're going to get uh, Jason, Jared probably on here and talk about some of the new stuff they've got coming up. They've also got some new cloth wrap wires coming out for that vintage old school look and they're working on a lot of 36 horse stuff. So that's for you guys that like those 36 horse stuff. So cool stuff coming from Ross Wolf and also VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people by the people. Lots of good content and there a ton of how-tos, plenty of features, everything from water-cooled to air-cooled and every VW Trend in between. So it's just like the name says, VW Trends Magazine, back on the scene after Long hiatus. Go subscribe today at vwtrendsmagazine.com. Now this brings us to today's podcast. Today's podcast was done back when I was at Volksworld earlier this year, and I had some issues with the audio on it, and I was, luckily enough, I was able to get it uh, dialed in to where it was listenable, and it was pretty good, and it's with, uh, well, so you guys that collect, VW Trends magazines will recognize the red Carmagea convertible that was on the cover of the 1986, July 1986 uh, issue of VW Trends. It says Spring Break 86 and it says underneath that the British Invasion. And there's a little, there's a car doing, a, there's a BMX bike doing a cross up over a convertible. And it was all about the, you know, the custom Volkswagen look. And that car happens to belong to our podcast guest today. That's uh, Richie King. And Richie King also started a company called Carmen Connection. He's been involved in the VW scene since the early 80s. And uh, he's just been committed to the game for a long time. I saw him at Volkswagen, he had a couple early Porsches that we talk about that were down in the uh, basement. And he's had a long list of cars. Uh, He's dabbled in parts, restoration, sourcing, uh, original parts and all that good stuff. And it's a great conversation a good podcast, and I was really glad that I was able to bring it back and get it on. So it's a great uh, a great knowledge base about some stuff for the scene in the UK and uh, also a little bit about aftermarket parts and whatnot, and, and also Porsche stuff too. So it's definitely a, a podcast you don't want to miss. So I'm excited to bring it to you guys. So without any further ado, let's get into it, guys. Richie King, Carmen Connection, Volkswagen Enthusiast. And the British Invasion, the final chapter on Let's Talk Dubs.
1: You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen.
0: Okay, everybody. So, on today's continuation of podcast done at Volksworld 2023, the British invasion that we're bringing to you guys. We're bringing you guys people that, if you don't know, you should know from the Volkswagen Porsche scene here in the UK. And my next guest is Richie King, and he's been in the VW Porsche world for. I mean, it's got to be what forty years for forty years, and he's got. You've he got a car. He's got a car here on display. Uh, well, a couple of cars. A few cars. Fleet cars, right. And the one that's a Volkswagen car is yes. is pretty interesting. Yes. So History. but but the way we always start the podcast, what's your VW story
1: and how did you get into the Volkswagens? Okay. Um when I was young and I maybe not that much interesting cars of going to motorcycles, so I was team, of my first motorcycle kid, three six feet each of them. Um uh, racing um on the with Russ Collins parts, Bill Motor from Anaman, yeah, with my brother and Bill in the Street on the Fours uh and got into racing enduro. About the time I was racing enduro I kind of stopped customising um to English cars or American cars, chopping the Rouge, I was, was my favourite. Like a, like a hot rodder? Customizer. So yeah. customiser. So it was name Customising and Hot rods. So it's for Dan's, from Mercury's, you know, like. what kind of the hot rodder, the, the old lead sled. Uh, exactly. LEDs. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So I did that. And then uh, we, it, yeah. we went out to the States in 1980 for a strove across from uh, the East Coast to California. Wow. So I didn't. And we went on the first James Dean Memorial run to Shimon. Really? It, uh, met the guy who organized it. who ran the National Horting Club. and uh, But I saw all these bugs. I'll be honest, I didn't get it. I looked at them. I thought, that's a really stupid gun. And from from your perspective, it's like someone modifying a Citron. Like, yeah, kind of. It's just a I didn't understand oh, this. What's the point? Oh, they had stingers on. They were all, nearly on all them trying um, you say both then, out of Brazil, and, uh, being, you know, I'm going, well, I thought, well, that's a really daft idea. And then a couple of years later, so fast forward, um, Jackie Morel was a friend of mine who ran Super VW, like saying and he worked with a guy called Philippe Dan, who's in the States now, he lives in the, you know, And he said, oh, well, can you come to France and chop a Simca à form two doors to Dan, he had. Yeah. Uh, and also the 49 Mercury belonging to Dango, as in Dingo, yeah. uh, who um, was the photographer with it for the magazine. Very good photographer. Mm-hmm. So we went down there. Me and a friend of mine with kind of hauled in to help, And we chopped these two cars. And while we were there at the garage at Tf. Le Metras in, I can't remember, oh, it was near Taya, I think. Somewhere around. And while we were there, there were copies of FOP3Ws and a couple of VW trains back, which, I'll be honest, I've never met. Mm-hmm. Picked them up during great. It's interesting, these ones are painted, and they look quite good. <laughs> so we went back to him, I and mean, never stopped. And what year was that? He must have been
0: about 82. So 82, and that's like the beginning of where you start to see the cars on the fugues, so it's red, you know, India red, yards yeah. red. Yeah, exactly. And we start to see that Porsche Porsche performance and bleed over into the hobby. I mean, now, there's an issue of VW trends that I have. I think it's uh, an '84, and it's got a red Carmen gear yes, show. yeah. And yeah. it's got a guy on a
1: bicycle doing a table Yeah, table oh, who I saw four weeks ago, and he's old. Carl's here. I hadn't seen him for ten years, so he's said. And it says it says a British invasion on <laughs> there. On
0: that on that issue. Now, was that your Carmen gear on the cover? Yes,
1: so that's my red 65 game now i must admit i didn't uh, we went back to england from france and i didn't i don't know about but i saw a. I knew that the can't the karma gears had the bigger 1600 dual port motor right so i bought a really rusting one just up the road for like 200 bucks and my friend bought a 65 bug mm-hmm. so he did the 65 up and i said oh i'm not going to for a bug. but take the engine out of this rusty i and I thought, Chadmore, well, the car the gear is a bit cooler than the bit so very I bad. repaired the, the gear, and then I had that gear, and then the second one, which I made into a roadster. Yeah, and that was a coupe. I make a second coupe a and then um, oh, sorry, then I had the convertible, the sixty-five, which was again very bad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just typical English car. Yeah,
0: typical rust truck. the they're quite rusty. Well, yeah, not of the gear, and so did is that? I mean, if to go from chopping cars and customizing cars to customizing Volkswagens, especially, is like a it's almost like a 180, right? The two worlds are as much as they're the same, they're miles apart, right? As yeah, far the as scenes like,
1: were both good, but of course, the, the custom car who in England then the custom cars were a young scene. Youngish, and then the Volkswagen thing came, and it was quite a similar, but even younger, possibly, to be honest, because the bucks didn't cost quite so much at that stage. You know, they were quite a cheap way to get into a bit of, you know, car customising. Right. And what? When did you
0: start? How does that tie in you starting Carmen Connection? What year do you start Carmen Connection? And what makes you
1: start Carmen? What motivates you to start? Okay. So very simply, I had a workshop, and then I. know that I rented and then I worked from home for a while and I thought to myself one day I don't want to be working on cars all my life I fancy fancy getting into retail. I really did it was a business decision sure sure I didn't didn't want to cut my hands off and wipe my fingernails out (laughs) it's easier to sell a product than it
0: is to sell a service and there seems to be so and from a business standpoint right some people don't understand this when they look at business they think all businesses are the same and I, in my business i'm in the service business i prefer this to the product business he makes he makes a better living because he can in the in the product business there's a level where you hit with a certain staff that you can become more lucrative as a company and the more money you make the more oxygen you have to breathe where you can suffer the, the slow and the turn down, and all that stuff and in the service business it's all really directly correlated the busier you are, the more your labor expenses, the slower you are, the less, but, it's, but it goes back and forth. But I think it's it's interesting that in the parts business, what was the most surprising thing to learn about the parts
1: business when you got into it? Um, much more detail, you know, really running a workshop, fairly simple. And basically, you talk to anyone in business now, um, oh, you're busy, yeah, you're really busy, especially, you long-man know, bands. Um the parts businesses slow, they follow the wave of the economy. Whereas workshops have normally got a 10-week to 15-week backup, if they're good. So they've got a big cushion safety net right. that they can uh, draw on to keep the business going. Retail's Oh, We've had some good years. We've had some bad years. I'm sort of almost retirement right time now, but I've enjoyed every winning of it, it's- and when, like, you, when you started, how many people did you have in your exhibition? Never a bit. We have been German car carpentry. We had about, probably had about eight or nine it and we've got about five now. Listen, that's, that's fairly, it's fairly a bit size stand. Yeah. And we run a small workshop still now, and it's great. I, I think, I, you know, we make us we make 150 different parts. So you actually manufacture them yourself? Look, most of the steering wheels, wheels and, 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 and the rear parts were early portions, just portioning. So it's exciting stuff.
0: So. What's the most surprising thing you learned about having to go into manufacturing? I mean what did, what was the what was the biggest failure you had? Trying to like oh, I'm gonna manufacture this, so it's gonna be a gold mine, everybody needs one and you're like then for is there anything
1: like that? that I, I do the research quite well. So basically, and, and we do loads reduction. All made either in house or very close. You know, our furthest away guys uh, the guy who's in his eighties, ex Formula One guy, I mean does some can't believe That's the lamp, you know, like grass fiber work for us, he's steering more ribbons. Um, but when we get all the it was made by another small. Company. But really, um, a lot of what we do in house, well, she has very close, it's 10 mile, 15 mile radius, so you can control. Exactly. So I've never had too many surprises, because awesome people all time. And I like these. I don't know, like, you know, what The reason, one of the reasons I've got over function still is because he was so mass promise quality, both going down. I mean, with not, no disrespect, the parts have got better, but there are still some not very good
0: ones around. No, no, 100% yeah. because when when the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which then becomes the largest distributor in the world, with Goldswing parts, is driven at a point in time where there are more focus is profit than quality, and and I had that conversation with uh, with one of the guys, the guy from MP, the, the the new CEO that was no longer the CEO, Phil Kane, and, and we sat down and top And it was a, it's the typical business plan, right? You build the business, and then you think, okay, I'm going to lower my profit margin to increase my sales to tempt a big company to buy me so that I can get out. Like that's typically an exit strategy, right? Yeah, and. When Phil Cade came over and I said, I think what you don't understand in the corporate, because I've been involved with other companies who have been corporately bought out, right? Okay. And, and the dynamics change of everything. And when when I my interview with him, as I said, you know, what's interesting about the Volkswagen worlds is there's no one company, there's one company that has the opportunity to be the best or the worst. One company because of their footprint, right? Basically because of that. And I said, but the Volkswagen people are very particular and they don't forget right and so you've got to build a good quality product there's always going to be the person that wants to buy the cheapest whenever it doesn't matter what you make over for the cheapest one but the reality is you know our industry could be if we had someone that came in this industry and, and i was excited when i was talking to him at first But obviously he's no longer there but his goal was like to take MP back to be performance and quality and those types as I said, you know, if you look at your demographic of the enthusiasts, it's pushed up to where we were talking, there was the quality of the cars that are being built, are right. six-finger cars, easy, right? And Fair. and that just shows that the average enthusiast is hitting their 40s and 50s, which of their highest earning income levels of your house, their kids are out of the home, they've got more discretionary income, and now they want to buy a piece of their eat. And it's like the perfect opportunity for them to do that. And it's it's a, it's an interesting world where even when you were dealing with stuff out of Brazil, you would get like like kinda of attitude from the factory
1: sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it was it wasn't the German model. Team. Correct. it was a spin off but it wasn't correct. An exact country. The
0: tolerances were not there. Um now when you started,
1: what type of things do you make specifically at me? Well, uh, Porsche. we've always made steer wheels for about 30 years. So we make steer wheels for, the, from early Porsches, we make the banjo wheel, which was then used on the 550 Spider. Then we make the, uh, what's called the 550 or GT VDM, both similar wheels, but the 550 has the accent, the 550A. And then we go on to the RSK, late RSKs, and RS 61, which was the purple work, work steering wheel. It was a fairly big coloured stainless this body, bump. and then we make a nine open four wheel that was originally made in England by Ned Lester, brought by him. He used to find it all out by other companies, but yeah. So we make that, and I think that's all we make now. But um, a lot we make a lot of like dash pieces and headrests. Uh, some finances all for three, five, six or a little bit burning iron egg and stuff they're pushing into the iron market a bit more it being a much longer term.
0: and now with with being Carbon Connection um, did you guys did you guys ever sell BW stuff and things to that degree Oh, that's it
1: that was our big business so basically I my mean, fairly soon we had a company called German Car Company which is no longer about and I started that. That was that was how I got into retail with a partner, Paul Valentine, and uh, yeah, we did quite. And then I kind of lost interest in on the customising side of it. I got more into the sort of, you know, stock with a bigger motor and right. lower some cow, whatever you call it. I've never called it anything, I just did uh, <laughs> and before I know And then um, I just split the company. I ran the Carmen Wolfsburg Connection, we called it, at the same time as German company, Car Company, then sold out to German Car Company, changed Carmen Wolfsburg Connection to Carmen Connection. And just did the uh, restoring... Any chain. trouble with of the name Carmen? Never had any. no.
0: Because, you know, Volkswagen gets pretty... pretty yeah. And although Carmen's a separate coach building company, yeah. I
1: was just curious because... Never it, had to a lot A lot of people that have had those issues now. But um, then... I got into the Porsche 356. So, did, uh, so obviously... Oh, no Yeah. Yeah, so how, so how did you... Because that's a
0: big leap to make, right? I mean, the, the dollars, the zeros are just different after the prices, cars, and it,
1: parts. Uh, They're starting to catch up. Like basically, I had to get into them because when I was four years old, my dad bought brand-new 356. Oh, really? 1960, 1960, 90 Coupe. And then he bought a 63 S Coupe. And then he ordered a new 911 but didn't take the because He was doing a building project for his company, a bit, printing company. So, years later, when we were working on Volkswagen bars, I thought, needs need to get a 356. I didn't know anyone who had one really. I didn't know anything about them. So, I was in the States buying Volkswagen bars. He so used to go to six times a year promoting this, that, and the other. I got his name Dave Puzaku at TRE. Automotive is yeah. in Van Nuys now, he used to be in Bourbon. And um, he said, Oh, my brother's got a 52 Couldn't. And I said, Oh, and he showed me a bit. I said, Yeah, that looks like a 356. Yeah, I'd buy that. So I bought it, not realizing that virtually every single part on a 52, even though it's a it's 53 a one-off. model, it's a one off part. It wasn't an A or a B or a set. It's, it's an a, a, a point B. So I bought it, and then I learned about three five six by people trying to rip me off. So one guy in on the States first was telling me, Oh that's right, that's right, that's right. I thought, no, I know a bit, they're not. So I said, Oh okay, thanks for the info. I might buy them that. Then in England someone else trying to rip me up About part of their bonds. So I thought I was selling them a sample so we go into the Bulbs parts. And about ten years ago after doing it together with the secret Bones, I stopped doing the parts completely. In fact it was for about 10 years ago and now you know because the the the, it's interesting because
0: the market for bws is bigger but the problem is so is the competition and also like you said the quality of the parts are really not there and talking to some guys that are here there's some guys downstairs i'm gonna be having on the podcast the the story is typical couple enthusiasts they get into and they say you know i know a foundry why don't we just make those ourselves let's put our little bit of money together. We'll make it, we'll make a good quality product and people pay for it. And sometimes people, if there's a cheaper option available, sometimes they'll, they'll go that route. And that's the nature of typical consumers. And it it has to do with, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, especially if, if your focus is my products and my products are manufactured locally and support the local industry here and they're not overseas. I think that makes a huge difference. Second, the quality of the manufacturing, the knowledge of the people manufacturing, making sure it's as close to the spec of
1: the factories original. Because the banjo... So are your steering wheels oh. fairly stout. So I've got a good banjo steering wheel, so i yes, had right. the original on banjo steering wheel. I've got me yeah, 50 amperes and I'll miss all of them, sell them. But um, I couldn't buy enough. You can buy them, they've got the wall hub, and you have to modify them to get them to fit the... A no they fit beetle obviously we are talking about just the Petri um standard wheel so they did them with the two spines course one and 56 on the final but um i thought perhaps hey, we'll make the banjo so we made that and we make them free yeah uh, so i was selling them i had an agent in the states his retirement but uh, we just sent our out i was at pomona and he had all my steer wheels on his stand for sale my, you know, my agent had them there and I was talking to him. And, um, uh, it came up with that cable. <laughs> there it was, with this translator. It was kumori. the Komori. Yeah, nice he came up with this 20-year-old translator, so much, and And, uh, set up a high-five steering wheel. said, yeah, come, you know, sold him the steering wheel. And so a year later, Flat Flatfall made the banjo wheel. And they made a copy of the copy. But of course they had to make one size fits all. So they had to make a bigger hub. And I find it very embarrassing that. Some of the cars down here. Very expensive. As you say six figure Cabriolets. And they've got a flat four wheel on it. And I'm thinking that's not a great look. And Porsche in their infinite wisdom. They restored a very early commurred Cabriolet. Which apparently was a lovely car before Porsche touched it sort of ruined it and it's not a flat full banjo steering wheel on a car that's arguably worth four million pounds you did believe that so that's it yeah good. so that's my banjo story well you well one of the things i noticed about steering wheels, i think there's something
0: specific about steering wheels with respect to the strength that they're made with, because you, you take a stock VW wheel and hold it, it's firm. Yes. It doesn't it? Doesn't wobble? I have a reproduction wheel on my bus because the original bus mine was cracked. It was in the desert, and I was yeah. buying. I was building the car back 20 years ago, and they had a reproduction steering wheel. I grabbed it, but I know that on my steering wheel, I can take the edges, and it mm-hmm. kind of wobbles back and forth. And that
1: strength in the steel, and i not large enough diameter. So I guess underneath the cast.
0: Yeah, and I, and I just think to myself like. And I've imported stuff from overseas in the business that I'm in, and it's really simple. Yeah. If you want it for less, they'll lower the quality and deliver it to you for less. Like they really yeah. have an easy two. Like uh, you know, in, in my business with the stone and tile business, if you want the stone cheaper, they'll polish it less. Mm-hmm. You yeah. get it, and it's not as polished. And They go, well, "Yeah, but it was, you know, 10 cents less, whatever the case was." But oh, yeah. I find it interesting that a lot of people think that you know, they can just hop right over overseas and manufacture something, and some people are more focused on the look than the quality. The first thing I would do is grab a
1: steel wheel pay for it and grab
0: the handle It wiggles like that. Mm.
1: But now, the banjo will wiggle, because that's inherent in the design. Right. They've got 12 stainless steel spokes, and they wiggle. But they mustn't fracture. That's the key thing, and uh, the original one mine and now one might. I don't think have to give that four one, would either. but... You're not a great wheel for a race time, And so then Porsche moved on to the wooden wheel, the VDM flat wheel, which was thicker, aluminum, free spokes, pretty solid, not bad, but still inherently bad design in that wood can split in an accident and cut your nose off if you're unlucky. it. So then they moved to the solid one. So Porsche just progressed from the different steering wheel designs until they got one that was solid enough to survive anything. Yeah, And they might have stainless the boat. And, you know,
0: with a, with a lot of the original stuff that we talk about when we compare things to original, um, let's talk about the car that you have downstairs that's original. Uh, we started to talk about that car for a second, and then we, we yes. started out with your with your story. So it's no problem. And so the car that you have downstairs, the autocross, it's
1: like an autocross car. It's you know? a slalom car. Slalom car. Yeah. And that car, what is the story on that Well, car? I wish I had the copy of the 1979, I think, copy of VW Trends that it was in. Okay. So it was a six by seven by darts corner. On that car. Exactly. So I've read the article, I can remember a bit of so it. So it's a 58 bug. Okay. Now, it was raced, it says in the article, by Alan Johnson. Okay. H-A-R, Alan Johnson Racing, race all over the world. And he raced Pacers as well. He's one of the, you know, the famous sort of fifty guys in California that raced Pacers pretty hard. Mm-hmm. He raced it obviously in some kind of sedan cars um, on circuits and you know, little races. And then I think he framed it. It was and um, um, Bill Yames, who turned it all down to a sidecar found in the scrapyard. it said in the outer. so it would be the front end. Damage. So it's been clipped on the front, and Bill Yates had a Porsche dealership in the San Capistrano, and he made it into that car. Real expensive. Our Martinez paint job, brand new, no number, 912 mode case. MLS five six from Franks, original speeds to seat, 911 speed done big BW Motorsport, stiff-option steering wheel, you know, they used to put on The sort of thick Western Relief model? Uh, yeah, it's a thin one, but you see, it was a dealer option on You okay. I think. And, uh, well, yeah, so, three, five, six-engine-link wheel in a steel engine, there, which is nice. Yeah. Five glass front-lengths. And um, it goes pretty good. Yeah, you it's, have the six-motor. In six, motor. It's, yeah, so, remember, it 12. Oh wow. and where, uh, where did you find? What was the history? Nice so, the- history. Well, no, Bill Yates uh, went on to race nine 11s He raced an RSR, uh, lots of and you know, a few other nine 11s He uh, his dealership was unfortunately going bankrupt, and they sent the uh receivers in to take everything. And before they did, he he talked to a guy called Alex Bivens, a Porsche expert, unfortunately passed away right now, and uh, he used to sell that Boyd's wheels from the three hundred and fifty sort of working. For a month or two. And then he said to Alex, Could you hide these couple of cars? And he had a Free Faucets Cabriolet, he had the Slalom car, and he had another car. Mm. So Alex got them out there quick, and Alex thought, Oh, great, you know, my daughter's at high school, she sure love this bar. He goes to Alex had the car. And he didn't realise it was a full-face Right, uh, right. So he stopped the car, and he's talking to a guy called She was. A very successful speedster driver as well in the early 60s, a friend of mine, he's passed away now. And he he said, Oh, do yeah, you want know, this? I've got this funny racing thing. Dale said, Oh, yeah, i find that. So he bought it. So I'm at Commandment one day, and uh, Dale came up to me and he said, oh, which he said, I just saw you've got a kind of orange beetle on the front of an English magazine. I've oh got one a the like that. I said, No, have you? And he, he sort of described my I thought, and he said, I said, oh, when can I have a look at it, though? She goes, oh, I'm retired. He said, we come down anytime. I said, uh, when, what time are you leaving? Come on He said, about an hour. I said, uh, can we go down then? So I went down. Within two hours, I bought it. And what year was this you bought that book? Um, it was about 1999
0: or 2000. And this was, and at the time, it was a 70s, like it was... It was between the the point of them being really collectible, but with this having the parts of it, had, it had to be free. Yeah,
1: all. It's it wasn't worth much, said. Right, right. But I made laughed it. So and yeah. in
0: the condition it's
1: in, it's, it's built that it's, way since you got yeah. it. Yeah, that's now like it's always been. Was it ever raced to the slums, the bug ins, and stuff like that? No, I took it there. I took it to the first bucket. Travelled with it there. In, oh no, we sorry it was fine. In America, it was at the first bug in the second, the third, I've got all the entrance and winning plaques and loads of stuff. It ran loads of Porsche Club events against nine levens in Slalems and Autogross. Yeah. He he was a very good driver apparently, yes. So it did well there down. And I was actually gonna try and reenact it at the European bug in that you were just talking to Yeah, Thalia about. Yeah, yeah. And uh You've got a clutch the day before and I couldn't get it repaired. So I thought, oh, someone in Belgium would repair. And there was nowhere open on Saturday. Belgium closed on Saturday. They like on the weekend, so I didn't get it repaired. <laughs> wow. But it went down on the way there as a stationary static display. And what? so what type of modifications do they do suspension-wise to make it handle better? It's, it's got handmade wheels. So it's got 13s on the front and 15s on the back and and so they would do a smaller wheels back then to lower the car. Yeah, didn't it? Yeah, right? <laughs> they, I don't... Because that's bringing me to my next yeah. question about you with lowering cars. Big swing bar. Uh huh. i to shops. It's about anything. I and mean, it's hey, still sway axle? Yes. What year
0: is it? 58. 58. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody told me that you brought in the first selected drop from... It. Yeah, probably did. Yeah, probably did. So, what year did you bring in the? Sele- oh, well, what? that was in early eighties. Yeah. So, the early eighties, you think the selector drop front an and you're like, "That's the ticket. We need that." Yeah, and it's all And then
1: after all you could have it, they must have really stupid idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I You know, I, I just I just purchased an eighties car a few years back. And it had a selected drop for now. Yeah. As I'm driving the car, I'm thinking, why does this thing ride so rudd? I mean, like it is terrible. Yeah. And then I get them, it's got this huge bolt in the front, the selected drop. But I think it's one of those things where it needs to be put on the wall to hang. Yeah. Just oh, to yeah. kind of see, like, this was the evolution before. You had the select drop, then you had the, the Avis adjusters. And so
1: then, as then as you Avis adjusters, I'd forgotten about that, man. Then you have the, the swine and the spindles. You also yeah, the spindle spindle it. spindles. Lower yeah. spindles, and now... So yeah, I think
0: the swine weight it was like the Avis. Yeah, like an adjustable yeah. with the teeth on it. Yes. Yeah. And so, besides bringing in um, the... There's lots of firsts that you did in the BW scene out here. I know that you're in the BW Hall of Fame out here in uh, the World's World Hall of Fame. Or the... Oh, I don't know. But I know that I, when I when I researched maybe you're, uh you're uh, in the Hall of Fame to okay. some degree. And I know that you've brought a lot of firsts into this country with respect to some of the lowering stuff on Beatles. Um, what are some of the things that you remember remember bringing over that they did well, here left here?
1: I, I kind of like them. The retro stuff. So we obviously we used to like bridge school stuff. So I bought a fifty-five cab and with it came a in England and it came with a, it would be a with a set of BRMs and I you know, then I found out about the history. A friend of mine resurfaced it and he actually found the knowledge for the original BRMs oh, the did. Kent. They they were in Kent, but then subsequently they were destroyed. But they did exist, the original sweat. I love BRM. Only ever had that one set, but sometimes you only want one or something. MP split mem for my spokes. I I didn't I didn't have the edge bows, I've never had a but. I said I haven't had many banks. More less than four years. I've had four, I've had eight years and you've out had a gap a government. type thirty four years. I've never had a type for, I've seen somebody like change. I've never had a type 34, I've never had a type year at all. Really? Bizarre. I've had hundreds of buses. I mean, like, from 51, 52, 53, 54, 51. Yeah, I've had a lot of buses. And, Ma- had- and the lovely Maggie bus, soup company from uh, Southern Germany. Really? It was bus. It And the Luba bus from... It was low, right. So it have been made into the factory from our truck. It had portholes on the side, and a custom rear window, because it was survived without a rear window. And you could have the rear window dealer fix it. Right. It was a lovely bus, red. So we apparently were at stores, the car park next door. We DA sanded all the red paint. I spent about three days and it had the chef on the side and the Mickey, uh like uh sort of mint, not magenta, uh, dark deep bit room and the light yellow and the chef on the side, the Maggie suit company on it. And apparently they used to drive this bus round. It wasn't a delivery bus. It was um one where they used to demonstrate some of the soups. And they saw so, the hole in the roof for a chimney. Oh so would boil the soup. Oh, the so you so, to so taste it, 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 it. When you bought it you thought it was a fire truck? Yeah, yeah. That's wild. And then it, right. the guy I got it uh, I think mm-hmm. I got it from Carlos mm-hmm. Spiele or Florian when mm-hmm. they were together in Boulder. And uh I think they knew there was Sign Martin under there, but they couldn't be bothered to take it off. But they knew it was a Maggie Super because when uh, one of the guys retired, they gave it to him as a retirement present. Kind of a weird present, but he, <laughs> his never, he did want it. Yeah, well, he's gonna. I believe he's gonna be. He's gonna be a,
0: a Volkswagen. Guy. Now you've got two other cars downstairs. Ooh. How about those cars?
1: Ooh. Well, we'll save the best for last. Okay. So with the Roadster. I do like a Roadster. Just sold one I've had for 20 years. We've mm-hmm. driven all around Europe. Oh, just like, I've been on circuits, and backwards in it a few times. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, going to take a seat in a mall, you buy And that's a gel uh, car. Oh, uh, yeah. And it talks at 125 against a brand-new GT3. Really? 125 mile hour. And who builds? You build those cars completely. So I I bought it with that engine in it, and I know the guy well. I bought it from. I still see it. hundred percent, must free. Just do right. And we didn't do much to it. Had a no shaped paint job, which we left because we just got all the excess paint off. Well, they do not rust them very well. But this guy had really been painstaking about. He had John Bunyan build the gearbox, transmission, and he had the motor built by. It. Really good engine shop. Can't remember, but he had three C motors, and they took the best of them and then tuned it. Big bottle. Mm-hmm. It just—it's just a nice car to drive. And uh, so I've sold that now. So I had this other roadster, which was rough as anything, and I finished it all twelve years ago. And then for some reason, I took it here once, and it wasn't driving. It wasn't running. I took it here, and then I put it in the corner at uh, workshop. And um, it's stayed here ever since. So three weeks ago, I thought, I've got an idea. I've sold one most of so you the other one after 12 years. Right. So I made a set of wheels, right? I love wheels. I love making you wheels. You made a set of wheels? Yes, I made a set of steel alloys. So the Porsche racing type wheels. So we buy a new rim, mm-hmm. and we get an original center, modify it, and then we modify them a bit more. And So I, I, I
0: didn't get a chance to... In respect to the cars that you brought here today, you brought two Porsches, the first one is a Speedster. No, it's a Roadster. Oh, ro- I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, so for some of the VW people out there that may not know the difference
1: between a Speedster and a Roadster, yeah. what is the difference? Okay, Speedsters were built from 54 to 58. Um, the cheapest Porsche available in California at mm-hmm. $4,995, when the coupes were like six and a half grand or something. and the reason Porsche did that is to have an entry-level le- entry car. It wasn't Porsche's idea, it was an American, of course. Well, an American immigrant, Max Hoffman, who had the big showroom in New York. Right. And he was the Porsche dis- main distributor. He said to Porsche, build a cheaper car. And the Speedster was invented. They'd already tried it once before in '52 with the America Roadster, but they only made like 18 of them and they, they were too expensive. But yeah, the Speedster, great success but then of course even you know porsche guys thought great for racing but it's raining we can't sell this in europe very well because the hood's useless they've got pushing side windows side curtains they call them flexible um no creature comfort so then they developed into the convertible d with wind up windows and a bigger windshield and a slightly sturdier top frame so then, went into the Roadster, which was the B version of the convertible D, if you like. So that's what this is. The car I have here, 59. Um, that's you No, know, they started in late 59 for the 60 model, for the B. Um, it looks a bit like space at the back, because I've, it's got no bumpers on it, and the rears of the... A T two and the B T five are very similar. If you you know, if you fill the holes in where the bumpers mount, you kind of can't tell the difference. And Um, this car, you've had, you've had this car for a while. Right I have, I've just sold one I've had for 20 years this one I've had for about 14 it was an absolute rust bucket. Now well. real
0: quick that this question uh, you sold a car after 20 years you must have really liked that car because you you moved through cars fairly quickly. <laughs> yes
1: but you see I did like it and I went, I drove everywhere in Europe in it and I loved it and you know it was, it was an, an old friend. But I then stopped using it. And once you stop using a car, they start to deteriorate. You know, you get distracted by another car. And that, that's a great time to sell it. And the values had increased. Uh, a friend of mine randomly said, Oh, do you fancy selling that car? And I stopped. And I thought, yeah, I think I will. And we did a deal within two minutes. Oh, it, nice. was one, it was one amount. And he said, yeah, that's fair. And it was. And he's happy and I'm happy. Can't beat that. So, but this one down says... It's highly modified. It was a very rough car, so I thought I'll kind of start from scratch with it. So we made aluminum door skins. We made a complete aluminum front hood. We made an aluminum deck lid, put the louvers in, polished the louvers, did some custom stuff. Uh, 60 mil original factory drums right on the front, which they put on the GT race cars. Yeah. Um, if you could find a pair today, 10 grand. Um, I put a... Wo- I put a an A wheel on it and steering column so again it does look like a speedster I have done a few things to make it look like a speedster I could have actually put a whole A front clip on it but and then it would have really looked like a speedster but then I might have got accused of faking a spacer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah,
0: and and it's funny because in the in the outlaw movement, right, of the mm. custom modifying the early 911s, there's really no and, rules. But, uh, three,
1: five, six, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, 356s. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. There's there's really no rules, right, to mm. to what you do. do I what mean you want. I've had Gary Emery on the podcast and he's kind of the guy where they, they yeah. coined the name the term yes, outlaw from yes. him.
1: Him and his son Rod.
0: Yeah, and uh, well what's interesting that a lot of people don't don't know, I was talking to some people earlier today, and I said, did you know that, everyone knows who Rod Emery is. Mm. I said, do you guys know who Gary Emery is? Mm. They're like, no. Nah. I mm. said, well, mm. Gary Emery, we can say one thing that he was the guy that, that coined the phrase outlaw, right? It comes mm-hmm. from him and the way they used to give him a hard time. Yeah, I think so. And what people don't know is that he had the first Baja bug ever. Ah, ah. the first ever Baja bug was Didn't built matter. by his dad who was a custom hot rodder or a hot like a car customizer I, he was Neil Valley Customs Emery. I Valley know all Customs. about that then he yeah, moved then yeah. he moved to Chick Iris it and was BW. it was
1: Neil and Clayton Emery who yeah. owned Valley Customs and they did all those super sleds and they were heroes of mine before I knew Gary yeah and before Rob was born they, his uncle and granddad Rod's uncle and great uncle and granddad were my heroes
0: (laughs) and and what what a lot of people never make the connection on is the baja so so gary gary didn't have enough money to buy a myers-manx and he was talking with his dad and his dad said let's just bob the back and front and take some front fenders flip them around and put them on the back we'll put some rotting on them to stiffen them up and it's all hot rod stuff that was done to it and i found it so interesting that you couldn't get too Parts of the automotive hobby that are further apart than than car customizing and Baja bugs, from the standpoint of the average person thinking there's any connection between the two. Yeah. But it's interesting yeah. how all these how all these stories overlap. So, yeah. so so we were back on your
1: car yeah. on your so basically
0: your outlaw outlaw speedster a yeah. ro-
1: roadster. So it's a roadster. Yes, yeah, so it's a sixty model roadster, and um, yeah, just got it running. Uh, built some wheels from it for it so it's um, steel centers and aluminum now talk rim. about
0: these wheels for a second so you take a
1: fuke nine eleven fuke no this is uh, these are steel so not a Fuchs alloy they're they're um, the factory got the Cromfins built them for the factory KPC. Okay. they got the steel centers and they got aluminum rims made and riveted them together And they are about two-thirds the weight of the steel wheel. Oh, wow. And, of course, then they could make them in different widths and offsets because they're riveting them together. So
0: then you're reproducing those wheels. I've
1: done a lot from 904s, 906s, Carrera 2 GTs, um, 356 GTs, 356A and B GTs. I've made quite a few sets, mainly 904 for the disc brake cars. So you've um, got the custom wheels on this thing. I've got a custom. I just fancied making a set, and I decided to copper plate the centers. <laughs> it looks quite nice with the yellow.
0: No, I mean, it's, it's got a great look to it. And with this particular car you were talking about, you had this car painted a while ago. I painted
1: it in my garden at home. Uh, just it was. I've painted three cars in the last 12 years. One was a VW... Bay window, which I bought from Bob Koch, who you probably know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I know Bob. Yeah,
1: for ni- I bought it for 900 bucks from him, and it had teardrop custom windows, so I built a 70s-style van out of it. Oh, our, really? The teardrop custom <laughs> Shag carpet and all thing. that, yeah. huh? No, I didn't quite, no, no shagging in there. No, <laughs> <laughs> no carpet. In there. Um, but I, with the uh, Roadster, I just wanted to, to have it a little bit kind of mid to late 60s period so yeah it's bright color paint, uh, polished roundels, custom steering wheel it's a works wheel but i've drilled holes in it so it's a one-off um the seats are just bare gt spacer seats yeah just wanted to have it a bit i still haven't built the right engine for it yet uh, i've got all the parts
0: and, and that, that car was sitting at it was sitting in the corner of your shop for the i left
1: it for 12 years yeah about 12 years and then uh about four weeks ago, I thought, let's do it. And I've made the wheels, uh, put a new gas tank in it because it all corroded on the inside from sitting there. Um, so it's got a 550 Spider flip cap on it as well. Nice. And uh, I cut the hole in the aluminum hood and bent it all over when I have my wristing Plaster from a bicycle accident where I broke my scaphoid. That was quite good doing it (laughs) one-handed. But, uh, yeah, it's got a nice story. I like uh, like the car.
0: And every car, you know, every car has it. Every car has got this story with it of how. And and I think, I, I don't know if most car guys are like this, but I look at every car like it has a soul. You know, like there's something about that car, it was built for a specific function, and when it sits, and then I, I like to think that the cars are are built to be driven and used, mm. and sometimes we kind of get, we, we kind of put put them in the corner for a while, but I think that they're, they're, you know, I don't know, maybe it's from watching Corvette Summer when I was a kid, but it was mm. just like this thing where you just have this feeling about a car. You I, know? I'm
1: very faddish, I've probably got, I don't know, 10 or 12 Porsches, and I I use them, infrequently, but then I've just I've got a right hand drive coupe I bought that came from South Africa with like fourteen factory extras and rudge knockoff wheels, bent seat, wind wings, loads of stuff. And I just when I got it, I thought God, I really like this car. It was really tatty and had some funny bits on it. So I did loads of work on it, recommissioned it, hadn't been mum since nineteen eighty-eight. The engine room was rebuilt and it was painted in nineteen eighty eight, off the road since. And uh, I fired it up, drove it two miles. The engine blew up. <laughs> Rebuilt the engine, and then I drove it every day for three months. Every day, just and then drove it to Holland last um, March for uh, last May for the three-five-six international meet there. And then uh, I've used it three times since. <laughs> that's how I am now. <laughs> well but if you have
0: enough you know I, I've yeah. got a couple cars in my collection and it's usually whichever one has a charged battery and will start that's the one we drive yes yeah. and or which is the closest to the garage exit um, now there's another car that you have here and it's kind of a car you built mm. with a ch- uh, on a challenge
1: yes um, I I was at Dave Bezeglu's and it was in his parking lot and I, I like Dave he's you know he's got a good overview on the borsche scene and he's raced a lot and i can remember going into his uh, parking lot one day when he was in burbank and there was a guy leaning over his race car and he had a gun in his back pocket a pistol, no right. pistol,
0: and, uh, and not uh, not wildly uncommon in the U.S.
1: <laughs> no, so I I, but I went into I was at a lunch appointment with Dave, and I went in and said, "Dave, what's going on?" He said, "Oh, the police are here. Yeah, they're trying to find stolen parts, which he didn't have any, but they heard that he was big at Pomona." Anyway, so uh, Dave, yeah, colourful character, but was not was certainly never involved in anything like that. But he's always get, give me a good overview on the Porsche thing. He had a short wheelbase Tatty car that had been converted to look like a later Carrera, like an 80s Carrera. And I bought that, and I thought, what shall I do? So I thought, oh, maybe a 911R replica, the factory lightweight car. And the R
0: came with fiberglass hood, fiberglass doors, thinner exactly. windows. Not plastic th- windows. All came with Not Lexa, thinner, uh, Yeah, because it
1: was limited. They only made 23. So they so this wasn't car. the homologation car that they built. This they didn't. A, no, that was the RS. They... they pff, Possibly could have sold enough to homologate it, but they didn't. It and, always ran and, in the prototype class. And
0: which which year was this made by Porsche? Sixty-seven. So in sixty-seven they made this car, and yeah. it was about well, how many how many yeah. how many pounds lighter than a nine? So it
1: was eight ten kilos when a stock one was ten fifty.
0: So you're talking it was 240, 240, 240 kilos. Yeah. Two hundred forty kilos is five hundred pounds.
1: So I thought I could do that. I could build it a bit lighter. Maybe I'll get to I don't know maybe 750 or 720 and then i started the project and i thought it's really boring just copying a 911 R. So i thought i'll do a bit of a custom and do my own stuff and then um i started drilling a couple of holes and things got out of hand and then a friend mine, cobus who probably still owes me a few bottles of champagne over the bet on the weight who's a good friend of freddie who was right here, right he said richie you could drill a few more holes in the dash. And it was a kind of the challenge was laid down. <laughs> so from having three hundred holes in it, it went up to about thirteen thousand. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't know. So it's holes everywhere and dimple dye. I learned about dimple dyeing and strengthening and torsional strength and, you know, suspension points and yeah. Learned a lot about cars from that car. So every part of that car was either deleted, mm-hmm. modified, or changed. So basically, if we didn't need it, it got thrown away. If we could modify what we had, we'd do it. And if we could buy something better, we bought it.
0: Hoods and doors are aluminum or? No, they're
1: all glass fiber.
0: So you were able to find fiberglass
1: doors? Yeah, and they're new. They're made by a company called EB Motorsport. Good pretty, job. Pretty decent. Um, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to keep it period late 60s. Mm-hmm. So there's no... Everyone said, old oh, carbon's lighter. Yeah, but it's not late 60s. Right. Um, titanium's lighter. They used a bit in the late 60s, but not much. I've used two wheel nuts and that's it. I've used a few plastic nuts and bolts holding the fenders on and things like that. No aluminum, but every steel bolt and nut is modified heavily. So they're all gun drilled right the way through. No way. They're all put on a lathe and shortened. They're then re-drilled through the solid bit of the So of you don't have, if it was two threads longer, you got rid of the two okay. threads. I might even go two and a half. Oh, it was anal. Oh, yeah. And someone said, well, how come that little bit, you know, why are you doing that? Why does that matter? I said, because if you do it to 100 times, it adds up.
0: Right. No, no. So what, did, what, did, the end up, what so did the weight end up coming in it at? It
1: came down to six. About 627 wet. 627. Wet. From that's 1050. So. No. Uh, light. Yeah,
0: that's, that's another 200, almost 200 pounds, 200 kilograms lighter.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, it's, um, no, no, that's down to 625. It's 400
0: well, no, no, but 200 more than the factory. Oh, yeah, than
1: the factory. Exactly. So, and, yeah. and what was the bat? But it, uh, it was eight. T- so, <laughs> Cobus said, if you, like if you get it every kilogram is below 720, I think it was, I get a bottle of champagne Cobus, Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him since. He's keeping a low profile. <laughs> he's, not, he's, he's not here he's, today. He's, no, he's investing in <laughs> Bollinger shares at the moment.
0: <laughs> They're at low at the moment. Any... And that- so, and that car, what's the, so with the inspiration to build a lightweight car, yeah. what's the rest of the specs on that
1: particular car? It's quite modified. I mean, it is quite modified, but shockers, uh, conies, so that's nothing special. I'm just about to do a lot more work on it, though, but they're Coney's at the moment. Front calipers, aluminium, Alpha Romeo, narrowed, taking the spacers out. The discs are narrowed and drilled. Um, solid calipers. discs on that car? Solid, yeah. They're lighter. Um. Solid or li- they're lighter than the yeah, thicker Yeah, because they're big vented. things, the vented. Yeah, heavy.
0: So originally the car came with solid yeah. discs? Okay. So you, you yeah. vented the, or you drilled I the solid discs? I drilled
1: ones. them, yeah. yeah. And uh, Wilwoods on the back, calipers, nice. Um, vintage Wilwoods? New. Oh, brand new, ones. new yeah.
0: But they were available back then?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. But, you know, they. I've taken all the, they, they're all, Old looking now. Nice, nice. Steel alloy wheels. I made the lightest wheel. There was another challenge. Someone said, "I was, make, I was making the steel alloy wheels, and they were getting lighter." I said, "Yeah, I'm going to make this pretty set." Sa-. He said, "Well, you know, you'll never get a wheel as light as a 5.5 Marla <laughs> gas burner. What? The lightest wheels mate That's the, they're magnesium, right? Yeah, 4.5 kilos. Uh, so I said, "Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, minus six inch, so half an inch bigger." And I got them down to 4.3. Oh, wow. But if you added up the labor cost, it was 12 grand <laughs> to make four wheels. So it was a fairly dull thing to do, but I thought it was good at the time. But you have to prove a
0: point. Sometimes you have to prove a point, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, no. and it's, you an know, expensive point. It's interesting because there's a
0: lot of... Now, you're, you know a lot about Porsches.
1: A fair, I learned a fair
0: bit. Okay, so mm-hmm. tell me about gas burners. What did they come on? And when did you get a gas burner on a car? Is it only an option wheel, or I, was it a factory wheel?
1: I think it was an option. I think it was always an option, but they were option 911 and 914.6.
0: Hmm. And what was the option cost back in the day on those wheels, you think?
1: Don't know. No, I would think, I would think more expensive than the Fuchs, probably just because less were made. Hence, yeah. so rare now, you know, But folks were stock on the cars, you know.
0: And then, are you familiar with the Cosmic Wheel? you sure you're yeah, familiar I'm with the Cosmic? Right, no, yeah. the Cosmic is an English wheel. English, yeah. And uh, th- those are the I had those on my Type 34 gear. Mm. and the only reason I put them on there is because they were super rare, you know. Yeah, at, and they look the pretty good. I like them. And they, it's an acquired look because at first glance, they're not. Especially for when you're coming for, you know, I'm an '80s guy, you know what I mean? Mm. Looking in the starting my wheel looks in the 80s and stuff mm. but after a while they really become a really good looking wheel what were those ever those were all dealer out on wheels or cosmic could you buy it because i know they have them drilled for porsche pattern. but it was yeah they some, made
1: them with porsche pattern, didn't but, they? but very it's very rare yeah it's an aftermarket wheel totally aftermarket not even dealer fit in my opinion.
0: What do you think uh, one of the biggest misconceptions about dealer versus factory and what was optioned and what <laughs> wasn't? Like, what what is the thing yeah, that's top the, of your you head? Yeah, see,
1: the American dealers would fit a sapphire radio in a bug, you know, and a European wouldn't because it was an American radio. So, um, a lot of cars, if they, a lot of cars would be spec with an aerial and the radio wasn't necessarily fitted to the factory, but generally they would have been for a Porsche, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about Volkswagen. Um, like this that uh, coupe I was telling you about the 58 T2 one from South Africa Mm -hmm. which was sold in Nigeria apparently to Kwame Nkrumah so I was told Um, that car had an electric area that went along inside the rocker it's still on there underneath the motor so you don't see it but I'm missing the front bit with the uh, antenna piece so it's the same as Porsche made a hand crank one as well and the ten. handle so i found one of them for sale last um november in germany the hand crank one's 800 euros and if you find the electric one it's two grand for an era yeah.
0: and i think i think there's things that, that we're always learning about the the hobby especially vw or porsche hobby too like the early porsche stuff the the, the very heavily optioned right hand drive 356 that you have that was from mm. south africa yeah. you said mm. well, when you found that car was it top level car full price purchase or was this like a you found a fairly good deal oh, and hey. it was a car that needed some
1: fixing and right, so my wife's auntie lives in Bonn mm-hmm. and her husband ben is into they, they're really into motor gp and they come to silverstone every year and they heroes valentino rossi retired now and they always meet up with a couple of friends from Wales this guy Nigel and his wife and um, Liz emailed and said oh Nigel's gonna sell his dad's car he's not using it and he's decided he's gonna sell it so I had a chat with him it's 356 you know I thought yeah I'm interested
0: 356 what could it
1: be so he said look I've had Bonham's look at it about years ago they were going to put it in the auction but they wanted me to get it recommissioned first and you know that was an expensive job when we did it so if he had done it it would have been twice as much we're in the trade so he said and no, i didn't but i know roughly so it, was a what car. I for it he for, knew the value. for our american
0: listeners recommission means it needs some sort of a restoration
1: uh it needs no it's like mecha- mechanical safety so you've so got to sort the gas tank out you've got to change all the fuel lines all the brake, brake lines, lines all the brake cylinders it's a twenty thousand dollars job exactly so he yeah. didn't want to invest that but he had an idea they said oh it was worth like 150 grand probably recommissioned so I got off to a bad start on that one, and I got it a fair bit better than that, um, but not much better. So I paid good money, but I love it.
0: And now with the 356s, does does the level of options obviously has to do with the collectability? Now that you start splitting hairs, you know, it's like depending on what what's the most unique option because i know that like some of the options and i don't know if there was a dealer
1: i do what we're talking you're talking steer wheels mm. we talked about the the Petri yes. wheel Oh, okay so i'll tell you about the steering wheel on there now this car wasn't op- i do occasionally put an extra option on so i put a steering wheel i bought a retro wheel in paris about 15 years ago on this car so it's a 400 millimeter uh, millimeter vdm flat wood rim wheel and I've restored a lot of... We make that steering wheel, but we make a 425 diameter. That's the only ones I've ever seen. I've restored about seven, including for one of the factory cars in the museum via a German dealer. So this wheel's 400. So I've had it on a few cars. I had it on my 56 Speedster, and I thought, I'll put it on this. Lovely. Smaller. It's nice. Right. So I bought a magazine, a 1959 edition of... Auto Sport and Motor, I think it was a German magazine. On the front's a cockpit photo of an RSK 718 sensor Seat Spider. And guess what? The steering wheel's smaller. Really? Because the cockpit's so tight, if you had a 425, you'd be skinning your knuckles. So they made, I believe, six of those cars, and that's what the steering wheel came <laughs> off. <laughs> so uh, anyway so i like the steering wheel but um the expensive rare option on that car is the um wheels so the it's got the rudge the rudge are the novkoff,
0: knockoffs and they're like true and knock-offs. A spare
1: they're the original ones that, with the spline, is on the drum. It's riveted on, and they're lovely.
0: So, when you bought those wheels, that wheel option, it, they modified the drum and riveted the spline. It was spline. a drum. It was hum. a modified
1: drum with, and you can buy that whole set now, new. But these are original, and on the card deck. Now, I had a lot of trouble with these wheels. They were loosening up. I was driving the car thinking, I've got a terrible knocking noise at the back. And I worked out what it was eventually. The car had been cosmetically restored but never driven. And what happened? Two things had happened. One is the spinners had been restored in South Africa and they put all the sensors in the wrong way around. So the first job was we were trying to get them off the wrong way. So I learned which way they go, because the left-hand side and the right-hand side are different. Right, they're backwards threads yeah. on the driver's Def- side, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know that. So basically, uh, once I sorted that out and restored the knockoffs, I worked out you know, how to tighten them up. So that was good, but then they were still coming loose, mainly on the back. And what it was, was the wheels originally chrome, but someone had sprayed them up not powder coated i don't think i think they're sprayed Mm -hmm. and the paint just tiny where the mating points are and the ang 45 there was paint there so it was just that little thing would set them off knocking so I, i spent an hour or two hours got every single bit of paint off Drove it perfect. Never had another problem.
0: <laughs> it drove me round the bend. And <laughs> what's and what's a set of those? Wheel, if you buy a set, you've got a three fifty six, and you buy a set of those yeah. wheels, the reproduction I, set.
1: I was funny enough in the, in the states a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to will white in Long Beach about that, and he said, "Yeah, out there they're fifty thousand at least." Fifty he just, grand. He just he said someone I was it John or someone else. They said I just bought a set back that they they'd restored for fifty grand. Yeah. Yeah, Left
0: yeah, I mean, uh, you know, these things, these, these were... And why do you think that option was so rare?
1: I'll tell you what. what's
0: funny about them.
1: Well, why were they rare? Because they're expensive. Even back Mass- then as an option? Massive expensive option, yeah. But the silly thing is, they're much heavier than the standard wheel. And when Porsche went racing, they didn't use them. Now, the only guy that I know who raced on those wheels, and no doubt because they were just on the car, was Steve McQueen. Yeah. On his black Speedster, it had knockoffs really i'm sure it did have yeah it did that so. that's cr- that's crazy not a good wheel to race on. but on a long distance wheel race of course they were quick to change when you wore the tires out much quicker than doing five bolts bang off bang on
0: yeah no i mean it's a, not it,
1: formula one but not bad
0: right so. right i mean a, a much more effective way of switching out tires <laughs> in a, in yeah. a low in a, in a high speed situation so, we, you've, got these car, you've got these cars here, and you're here supporting Volksworld today. Yeah. You've been in the VW scene for as much as you try to run, it chases you down, and here you are at Volkswagen. Yeah, and, and I still, and still
1: like that bug, so I've still got a bug, haven't I?
0: And th- have you driven the bug recently?
1: Uh, yeah, just the other day. We're going to rebuild the engine now. It's got a very slight knock, and it's going to be, unfortunately, a big end, it sounds like. So, yeah. he's had a hard lifer. Um, so we're going to strip the motor and rebuild it. It's street registered, so I can drive it on the street. I put a quiet pack muffler. It has a, the original Stinger from '77. Really, but I put a quiet pack on, and it's quite user friendly. You know, so I, I kind of want to either track day, hill climb, something with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, it
1: deserves to be back out. Doing I want
0: to. I, I want to get down there toward the end of the show when we can, when we can. I get some good video of the inside yeah. of that car and some yeah. stuff because it's cool and it's kind of a time capsule car. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah it got I mean, the old harness and the old roll cage and yeah. oh, that's great. Yeah. No, I oh, don't. on the car as well. It's got the old sparkly metal flake fabric covers yeah. on the p eleven fours. Nice. On the ram stacks. And, and what's funny is that
0: was a... I don't... I mean, you would know better than I would. What's the difference in performance of the same size motor 356
1: and and VW? Well, that's a 1720. So, say seventeen seventy six. I don't don't really know see to the
0: pants like
1: noticeable difference is it is there does the porsche motor just want
0: to rev higher and smoother or do you
1: i think very similar if they're both balanced you know and
0: back in the day it was lack of options which is why you just grab a three you, i mean back in those days you total the front end of a car you just junk the car you know what i mean there, yeah, there were a couple yeah, of grand exactly, so exactly. you go to the wrecking yard pull a yeah. 356 motor out you're like oh it's big power you know meanwhile you're changing into big dollars and not a lot of power increase I mean, for the dollar yeah he,
1: so he had a porsche dealership so he's probably going to get that case yeah from some warranty deal or something and they <laughs> you know who knows yeah you never he's I gonna mean, pull a few favors isn't he so he put a porsche motor but he knew that then you see what you know it was just probably a bit more advanced the tuning because they'd been racing porsches for so long then haven't they from the speeds yeah. right through the 60s until not, and he was only into the 70s. That car was you know, built probably mid-70s.
0: So in your history of all the cars that you've owned, VW specifically, if there's yeah. one that got away, what would it be?
1: The one that I'd still like to have, Yeah. I really did enjoy. I had a 55 right-hand drive Cabriolet, black. And uh, it wasn't black originally. I painted it black. And I had that here a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did, I did really enjoy that car. And it, it was. was it, had, it had BRMs, the original BRMs. Oh, so
0: this was like a, a cow looker.
1: Yeah, lowered, stock interior. I did actually put Ricaros in first. Uh, took them out later. Don't worry, I swore a bit then. You, but I just did it. you, you
0: don't have to we, get. I mean, from the '80s, Ricaros were were the ticket back. You know what I mean? Did like.
1: Did put Ricaros and things in those days? Yeah.
0: And it was kind of the. It was kind of the. What's funny is I look at the. I own a car called Future Shock which was Steve Connect's red ro- it was pink, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Porsche Raspberry, yes, nice. uh, the, with a roadster, it was a chopped roadster nice. out of Bakersfield, and it had suicide doors, power windows, it's Ooh. got purple and pink graphics down the side. Yeah. In the 80s, it was all about trying to take that 65, 64 notch back and make it like a 1988 something i mean this thing's got a digital dash you know that was the whole wow, thing yes. of the 80s yes. was like make right. it right. modern power antennas in the fender you know all these types of things yes and it's interesting how the hobby changes because the young kids that were in the hobby then wanted their cars to be comparable with what's in the market now. And now that we're older, we're trying to get the car as basic as <laughs> Like as basic as yeah. possible. So I think it's interesting how you see the hobby change as far as what's acceptable and what's not. And when I look at this notchback that I own, I, I look at this thing and it's got probably a couple hundred modifications on it from French um, headlights book. and taillights yeah. to fitted bumpers and suicide decklid and all this stuff. And, but it's a testament of, like, and all the work was done. He had a little shop in Bakersfield called Volksworks. He helped build Rod Buster yeah. and Future uh, Shockwave, yeah. uh, the Squareback. Yeah. And, you know, they. those were the days when I when interviewed Steve Kinect. He said, you know, they would go to a show. They would completely redo all the graphics on the car before the next show. So that it would be different. And I just oh, think, oh, like, yeah. it, and these were all guys self-taught. Yeah. All out of their shop. I mean, much like you, right? You're, you you started out... You yeah. didn't go to a chopping roof school. No. <laughs> you, you know no. what I mean? You you learned by trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your right-hand drive, uh, Cal look, convertible is the one that got like, away. Yeah,
1: and I did like the 65 gear as well and, and the gear roaster. But so... He, sorry. No, yeah, that's okay, that's okay. I, d- I did like the, the 65 gear. I probably drove... More miles in that. To be fair, is the that red. the one that was on
0: the cover of VW exactly. Trends? I love I, it. Yeah, I, I wish I'd have brought me. it because I'd have you. The next time you're in LA, I let me know. I want you to sign the cover <laughs> for me. It's just such a cool picture. It, well, it was a great. It was a great time, and you know, having that, the sunshine come. That in. photograph. I yeah. did a. I, I did a podcast with um, Steve Strope. Steve Strope builds uh, SEMA cars. A lot of SEMA okay. cars, and Steve Strope Pure Vision Design. He builds retro cars that are, uh, he's really in the hot rod scene. I don't want to say hot rod, uh, pro touring, the pro touring scene. So I'll okay. build a 65, uh, they built a 65 fastback Mustang and they put a four cam 351 Windsor oh. in it. That was a NASCAR motor, like. Yeah. but he does everything kind of a retro vibe. His first um his first car was a volkswagen Carmen Mm -hmm. magia so that was my excuse to get him on the podcast i'm a fan of multiple platforms and talking to him we taught and he's a big collector of 80s bmx bikes he's got a shop (laughs) with all these (laughs) hundred thousand you know four or five hundred thousand dollar hot rods in it or pro touring cars Mm -hmm. and the next shop over is full of bicycles Mm -hmm. and car future project cars and all those things and we talked about the carmen guia and i'd love to see his vision his version of a carmen guia in his style yes and we talked about specifically that image of the the bmx bike doing a tabletop over <laughs> over <laughs> that and, and 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 one of the things i i that i equate it to is at the time when we were in the hobby back then as, as a young kid growing up you know i'm 15 mm-hmm. 14 15 years old looking at those magazines yeah. When I'm looking at that cover, it is selling me a lifestyle. I think yeah. bikes are cool. I think all, you, yeah. I'd have never thought I'd have thought a pink car was cool mm. or, you know, what I mean, you know, these wild fluorescent colors and all that stuff. But I look at that and I think mm. how it was chasing this idea of what we had of the hobby that we're going to be into, you yeah. know, what, I mean? what our expectation is mm. or how we're going to make this car connect with the, with the fashion of today yes and
1: for us as well it was because it emanated from california the you know the the whole scene yeah the hot rods customs volkswagens porsches basically yeah uh it was the whole lifestyle that we embraced yeah. so it wasn't just the cars it was the van shoes it was the surfboards it was bleaching your hair it was you know funky t-shirts and silly colored shorts and yeah. you know it was a bit of everything which is nice no it's it's
0: definitely a it's definitely a place that has because now i have i have two and it's funny because i have two 80s cars in my collection i've never been in our hobby it's more like you build your own thing mm-hmm. right but i've been in the hobby long enough where like an opportunity comes up to pick up a car that was yeah. an inspiration to me when i was younger yeah. And it's one of those things like, do you finally get your date with the prom girl and you realize she's not who she was, right? So you get the car and it's, it was an 80s build and you have to asterisk everything with that because as you open the hood, uh, they probably had a carpet kit over this mess. You know what I mean? Like yes. there was lots of things and, and with the hobby evolving how it is, yeah. I love, I love the simplicity of the DIY aspect of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, don't like, had a go. Take a Sawzall and chop the roof off. Everyone yeah. had a go. Yeah. <laughs> you know that like was you? my
1: favorite tool, a Sawzall. <laughs> but, <laughs> no one in England knew what they were. Yeah, <laughs>
0: but, but I mean, and you're doing things, and people are looking, at it's like, this guy's out of control. Look how right. radical he is. He just cut the roof off of that car. We but
1: chopped it, a lot of cars. Yeah. and I, it, I think I chopped about 30.
0: So you've chopped 30 cars. I've
1: chopped three Mercurys.
0: What's the hardest car to chop?
1: Well, the mercury wasn't easy. Partly because I'm only small and they're a bit heavy. The roofs. <laughs> so I did, I chopped one in France, and then one in the States, mm-hmm. and one in England. The one in the States I did as a favour for a friend who was in the local car club, the um, South Bay Cruisers. I was doing some work on a Fens 41 Chevy convertible. I painted it on custom, full custom. It was. So you paint too? You paint? I used to paint. You yeah. chop? I chopped. I painted both those cars down there. But not very well. In the garden? uh, Both the the Porsches. Did you paint them in the garden? I painted the yellow one in the garden and the... No uh, way. Yeah. And I did the uh, orange one inside at work. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And and, and you think from from the standpoint of being a a service shop to a parts shop, now you find that the revenue's coming in from selling the parts and it gives you the freedom to build stuff that you want to do versus...
1: It always has. But getting back to the... Orange car, mm-hmm. so I had to paint it myself because anyone else would have painted it too heavy. So, Oh, really? Do you get that? Right, so that car, all the fiberglass is hand blocked out on the gel coat to get it straight. I mean, blocked and blocked and blocked and blocked. There might be two skims of filler in that whole fiberglass aspect of that car. Then the metalwork, I used to do a lot of metalwork, I'm a bit rusty, but I metal finished every piece of metal work really there's no I spent ages on that the back wings are made out of four different wings different light boxes different arches different front pieces the oil filler I mean they're all bits and bits and bits Lionel did all the welding a friend of mine just like sewing so then I've metal finished all the back wings the roof the scuttle the rear scuttle and hand finished it all in the steel so i'm happy and then there's no etch primer it's primed with three coats of primer really out and then three coats of paint rubbed out and polished that's all that's on there no filler not one single piece of filler Wow, so that's why it's light. Like. <laughs> All the other cars here have got fifteen, fifty pounds extra. <laughs> so you
0: specifically wanted the least amount of paint you could yes, put on the car.
1: and the only person who was going to do it to my satisfaction, obviously, was myself. Because I mean, I could, spe- I could take as long as I liked. It how much? How
0: much would paint add to that car? I mean, a gallon of paints. 10 10 pounds yeah
1: exactly you're probably 20 pounds 25 pounds by the time you've really got it lovely and straight and some filler here and extra primer there and five coats of paint instead of three so
0: what do you do with that car now
1: it's going on a diet because it's too heavy (laughs) so i've got some great ideas uh hydraulic handbrake hollow torsion bars I've got aluminium... Do they
0: make hollow torsion bars?
1: Yeah, yeah, Elephant Racing make them and a couple of other places. And what's
0: the difference in weight savings?
1: Oh, at least 30%. At least
0: and torsion 30 bars more. are heavy. I mean, they're, yeah, they're 15 pounds a piece probably yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah. So you so shave off uh, five, six pounds aside. That's 12 pounds you gain there yeah, exactly, you drop yeah.
1: there. Um, one big one is aluminium later torsion bar. That's the, the, tor- the trailer arms. arms up so a
0: 944?
1: No, they're 911, but they're long wheelbase, so we just shorten them a bit. Inch and five-eighths, I think, if I remember right. And then Swiss cheese them, lighten them heavily. You're a then, maniac. <laughs> aluminum rear shocks. I'm trying to lose weight at the back more. So aluminum rear shocks. Did you balance the made. car
0: to see where it was?
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's a I've little got, tail got, heavy? Corner, oh, it's massively. I've got corner bikes. It's fairly dangerous at high speed. It will be better. Yeah. it's good with a full tank of gas so new rear bumper i have made uh instead of six kilos it's 2.2 it's a bit flexible but what the hell yeah
0: this and so you're but you're, you're, right you're pl- back but you build them to drive you'll drive that i car? will drive
1: it yes i will drive it yeah well not on a long journey yeah a track day a hill climb a meeting within 20 miles. That's about its limit. I don't think I could stand the noise for longer than that. Yeah, it's, you it's leave most of the noise behind you. But I think I've only ever done about 15 miles in I think after that it'll be a, maybe I've done 25, but that's it.
0: So you it, when you turn it over to the new owner, you'll sell it with noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> that's what you'll do. At least you'll be able to feel. A, at, yeah, at least you'll be able to feel any vibration in that car where something starts to let go before it goes. So
1: do you know what that is? I mean, it's a raucous drive. It's.
0: It's got to sound like pure, pure violence. Drive because it's there. so
1: light, and I, I, saw, you know, I, thought about rotational weight makes a car pull away quick. It feels you can accelerate from a thousand revs. You just put your toe down, and it goes. Yeah. There's no weight to pull away.
0: Right, right. There's, there's no weight, weight you know, holding it no back. There's no
1: rotational weight to pull away. The wheels and the brakes and everything is so light. It's quite interesting. Different that's, to any car I've ever driven. I
0: mean, that's so you're talking overall from a factory 911, that car is 500 kilos lighter. That's a
1: it's at the moment it's about 430 and it will 430. Be about still, that's still almost a
0: thousand pounds.
1: It's almost it'll almost be half the weight when it's finished.
0: That's insane. Half it, the weight with same the and with, it's with 180 the
1: same. horsepower. So that's incredible. It's like if it was a stock car, it'd be like having 330 horsepower.
0: Yeah. I mean, theory. I mean, really, the, the, the history of all disappointed race people is power to weight ratio that they don't understand. Yeah. That's why Volkswagens have always been so successful drag racing, it's, power to weight it's ratio. It's just
1: a really weird feeling now. You just have to change gear so fast. It's bizarre.
0: Did you ever do any VW drag racing?
1: No. Uh, no. Drag mm. race, motorcycle a bit, but only just up and down the street with my gears and stuff, but not proper. No. no. And I you're, admire those guys. Huh? And
0: you're always an a aspirated guy, not a turbo guy?
1: No. I'll do like a 911 turbo. I've had a couple, but <laughs> yeah, new stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, the, the look, I'm on the lookout for a 996 turbo. Yeah, that's it's the only a, one I can afford I had it had anymore. A
1: hot rodded one, 520 horsepower, lovely.
0: Really, a 996. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's you know talking about Porsches. That we're talking about Porsche a little bit, I think that's the most underrated 911 that there is. Oh
1: my, they're beautiful.
0: It is 10 times, oh a, uh, ten times better than a ten times better than a uh, than a nine than a nine nine three. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, everyone loves the nine nine three, and the nine nine three is four times the price of a nine nine six. But if you live in Las Vegas, I remember the first time I bought I bought an eighty four nine eleven, and I picked this up Forever. and I and I, yeah and I brought it home, and I told my wife we now have an air cooled car with air conditioning. I said, get in, we're going around the lake. We're gonna <laughs> drive around Lake Mead. Yeah. It was August. Yeah.
1: It's hot. Right. Worked okay? It's terrible. Oh, it just it was baby's <laughs> breath. It was, it was yeah, the, yeah. the world's worst. experience. <laughs> we're area. in the
0: car. I'm sweating. It's yeah. just a miserable experience. But that
1: doesn't experience. happen in Europe. You're, where we're <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> in, in, in Las
0: Vegas, 120 degrees outside. <laughs> <I know>. but, <laughs> but a
1: fender mine actually rented a car out there and drove through Death Valley. It went to the rental car company. He said, the air conditioning doesn't work. And they said, it does, sir. It was 140 degrees or yeah. something. Stupid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's incredibly hot. But my 996, I had my 996. And that car was so easy to drive yeah nice. it's it's so much better than a 99 you know the, the than the air cooled 911 because you don't have mm. the leaks you don't have the you don't have the temperamentalness you don't have the burning oil smell you don't have any. i mean it's like a really yes. it, yeah, it that
1: gets on your nerves a bit that nine out that 911 that you haven't driven for three weeks an air-cooled one and you start out in the smell for about a half an hour. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I rocker th- covers leak. Right. And some people think up. like
0: that. That's, that's kind of the cool aspect of it. And it is to some degree. But I, I believe yeah. the 996 gets a bad rap. And, and mm-hmm. they, up until recently, they've been super affordable. But prices are starting to climb on those right I mean,
1: now. I, I just bought an early Boxster. So it's a 2004 mm-hmm. Boxster S. And a friend of mine raced it all last year and hill climbs and a bit of circuit stuff. And I kind of had to put, put it back together because he'd stripped everything out of the car. So I put it all back together so I can drive it. But interestingly, it's it's a coil over suspension set up by a race car. Yeah. And uh, big wheels with hand cut slicks. And i tell you what, with 280 horsepower, got like, a little bit of engine work done, all the trick exhaust, unbelievable. Just a little point and squirt and you've you've become a bit of a hooligan because it's so small you can go in and it's a bit like driving, riding a motorcycle you can get in and out of the cars yeah. quick yeah no they're, they're great they, cars and they're cheap boxers but again heading up
0: yeah boxers you can pick up for five grand all day yeah. all day in in the states five thousand but bucks. they
1: what the s's with low mileage
0: yeah no they'll, they'll they're, they're all starting they're they'll all starting to come up yeah 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 yeah, no, they're, uh, I mean, they're, there's a lot of affordable, and I think that's what's funny. Sometimes people's punk rock mentality of the cars keeps them from buying something really cool and usable mm-hmm. because they want, you know, they want the street cred of having the early 9-11 or the whatever. But they would yeah. really, and I, and I think that's one of the things you got to do as a car person. You got to realize who you are. Because I thought, I remember I, I bought a two-wheel drive 1980 Blazer, and I went to a show called The Get Down. And I took that and another 81 Chevy Stepside pickup. I hauled them down there, sold them both, because I realized after I drove the, the 80 Chevy Blazer for a few minutes, I thought, I'm more of a 99 Tahoe, two-door Tahoe, leather seat, air conditioning, cruise control guy, <laughs> yeah. than I am the 80s guy. Yeah. And yeah. I had so much more of an enjoyable time driving that car yeah. because, you know, we ha- we have this in our head this reminiscence of these cars were so great back then and yeah. then we get them and it's like i don't think they built a 454 in the states that didn't overheat you know what i mean
1: yeah like, i yeah i mean i love you know, i love driving old cars and you know a good 356 was probably one of the best cars you know when they were new they were of course the best cars but a good used one or a really well restored one is probably one of the nicest cars to drive yeah. i mean I, i'd say yeah, I'd love driving in early 911, you know, sort of short wheelbase, my favourite, and then long wheelbase. But still a 356, I, you know some cars you just feel at home in. You feel like they're part of you. They're, right. they're yeah, the, your favourite pair of jeans, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I'm with 356s still. My wife's got a 58 Speedster. We bought it in the States. It was, uh, I remember, well, 65000 bucks. 20 years ago. It's got a C motor in it. It's got disc brakes, Fuchs alloys, all stock apart from that. And we've been all over Europe in that as well.
0: That's the zombie apocalypse car. When everything falls, that's the car you get in you know she's going to start.
1: Every (laughs) time I drive it, I say, this is the best driving 356 I've ever driven. And someone stops with modern brakes and you've got the disc brakes and you can actually stamp on them and stop. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Now there's there's a lot to be said for doing the the most advanced factory technology that you can in one of those old-bodied cars yeah, just to get just them
1: to... But do you know what, the best Porsche I've ever driven, new car, I love it. Love the new turbos, I don't think I don't mind, I would probably be driving too fast all the time and there's a bit of an image, I'm not trying to be cool, but there's a bit of an image with a new turbo, they're probably the best Porsche to drive, except I drove a Taycan electric. Really. Career 4, uh, they call it a four S Taycan voice. two motors. I think they call
0: the, it the Taycan Turbo. turbo. <laughs> they, they have, they have yeah, one they, called Turbo. Well, wait, and I'm like I
1: haven't driven that, but I had one on order. But I didn't, it was a long story. They couldn't deliver it. But that Taycan was one of the best cars I've ever driven.
0: The it's electric car,
1: phenomenal. The handling, just I mean, the new 911s are great. I'm not really into the Cayennes or McCanns, Great cars for if you need one. I don't need one. I drive a camper or a van or a sports car, (laughs) you know. But those Taycans, just phenomenal. As soon as they bring out the electric 911, yeah, yeah, be awesome.
0: Well, the electric, you know, the electric thing is, uh, it it, power-wise, it's completely different power. It's a it's a Mesa-style torque curve. I love that. You put your across. foot down. And
1: you That's, go, oh, it. <laughs> your That's neck. it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. You've got to have effort. <laughs> yeah. So but I mean, it's the, the, the future.
0: Yeah. There's a. There's. There's a lot going on. So what does the future hold for Carmen Connection?
1: Well, I'm doing very little there apart from my own cars, and I just come in and help with stuff that needs to be finished and come to shows and stuff. But uh, my guys are getting on great, and fingers crossed they'll keep it running forever.
0: That's so, awesome. We'll see. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to, to sit with me and chat and tell me your stories and share that with me. And I've really enjoyed it. And I'm sure this won't be the last time we do this. I'm sure we'll f- I'll find another reason to get you on here because I'm going to track down some more stuff about you because I believe there's a lot we didn't talk I'll about. I'm forward to it. You got it. <laughs> Fantastic. If you like this podcast, and I know you did, make sure you share it with your friend. We love when you share the podcast because it helps our show grow organically. Share it with some of your friends that are into cool stories about cars and are also in the VW hobby. If you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com and pick up some merch from the store. Also, get a shout out when you buy some merch or leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Until next week, guys. Later.
1: You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. A close, close,